Welcome to the second annual Laps Gamer Radio Game of the Year show. I am your host, Mark Hamer, and tonight I am joined by the entire LGR crew. Kevin Moore, Stuart Neal, Adam Ducker, Lee Howard, Stuart Cullen, Ali Cornwall, and Andy Pidietsky. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey. Good evening. Hey. All right. Good evening. Well, I just have said a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, as our team has doubled in size over the last year, there is no way we could cover our top fives, let alone our top tens in one show. So we're dividing them up a bit. Our lists from ten to six will be added to the website over the coming days for your reading pleasure on this episode we'll be revealing our picks from five to three and our top twos will be revealed on a later episode and now as you'll know by now valued listener we are not a typical video game podcast and we are not typical video game podcasters by our very nature we are lapsed gamers and therefore as with last year's game of the year show these games are the top games we have played this year not necessarily the top games that came out this year some of us will have lists mostly or entirely made up of 2016 titles but don't be surprised to see a lot of older games mentioned as well with that out of the way let's dive right in with our number fives Number five. Kev, do you want to start us off? My number five is um, Lego Dimensions again. <laughs> <laughs> the game that keeps on giving, eh? <laughs> it does indeed. Um, I'm on year, year two now, and the new sets are out. So far, I'm loving Tiny Tom Cruise. <laughs> he is tiny in real life though yeah that's true does lego tom cruise have a middle tooth hmm no but he's got an even smaller wife <laughs> oh right <laughs> you ever noticed in real life he's got a middle tooth no no next time you see him smile look at it he's got a middle tooth once you've seen it you can't unsee it <laughs> oh man I was going to say, Kev, like when you add like each sort of expanded pack, does it reset your like percentage clock so you kind of know? Because I'm assuming you did 100% this, didn't you, before or get all the achievements? I don't think you can ever 100% it. I think there's only <laughs> Ryan that's ever 100%ed it. Um, there is still so much out there to do. Um, you can platinum it, definitely, mm-hmm. but the 100%ing is a different thing altogether. And there's so much out there for you to do. Uh, the 100% is a long way off and yeah I think it's a sliding scale as well because obviously you've got your extra sets coming on with your extra characters there's still plenty to do and it's going to have legs the battle mode is an unbelievable extra as well so mm-hmm. it's still going to be going strong and I can see it happening again next year it'll be in my top 10 somewhere I can see it happening <laughs> what is it about it that keeps you engaged like two years in a row now is it ju- is it purely the new sets or is there they actually adding like new gameplay stuff that keeps it fresh or yeah there's, there's new game mechanics but there's new levels um, new characters it's all there you know so even you, the way that your old characters um, that you wouldn't normally use anymore they, they're still active you know and that you can still use them in the new sets and what have you. Unlike your Disney stuff, you know, where you're stuck to one set for one thing, these just all cross over all over the place. It's great. Oh, right, okay. So, like, when you go into the game then and you've added, like, because I, as somebody who hasn't played it, I'm not entirely sure how it all works, but it's not, like, separate sort of worlds then within the universe of the game it actually it, it feeds into what the older content you've already played the new characters oh, yeah. yeah you can still use your older characters and you know you can st- go back to the older worlds the newer ones oh okay um, yeah. it's great 
kind of like free play used to be or is on the kind of it more still standard is, games. Yeah. yeah 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 it still does the free play mechanic you know once you've done it but um the free play is different because you can free play the levels but you can also go into the world itself each set opens a world so you've got a whole lot of extra stuff to do on there as well and how much do you think you've dropped on this then Overall, can we just go on an annual um, <laughs> cost now because I think it's less embarrassing? Yeah, like a subscription. <laughs> Stuart Neal, what's your number five? My number five this year is Mario Kart 8. Hey. While, I know, hey. while I know this has obviously been out for a little while, I only really picked it up this year due to actually coming on to the LGR um, podcast and everybody else having it so thought well I might as well jump on this and got it at a reasonable price as well it is just such a fun competitive carding game and it's probably perfect in that respect um, I don't necessarily have a reason for it not being higher I just maybe had more fun with or more enjoyment out of the other ones but Mario Kart 8 is just perfect as it is um, the DLC and everything that uh, Nintendo added on to it with the extra tracks, the extra characters, um, extra carts and what have you um, have been just a really, uh, just an excellent um, DLC package. Uh, the fact that they put them in the little season pass as well, um, for those even though there was only two of them, um, uh, just has made a, a, an, an overall package even better. And uh, I'm just really, really glad that I picked it up and uh, have had so much fun with it, even during the single player. It's still competitive enough and uh, challenging enough, particularly with the extra 200cc mode. Um, it's very, very good. Yeah, I think that's the only criticism that I've heard of people, isn't it? Like in the single player, that's the only kind of area of the game that people have said they'd love them to somehow refine it. So it's not just a case of... I think some of the criticism was that people just find it a grind that even in this iteration, you're still just kind of unlocking the different trophies to... What you know, unlock the kind of faster Grand yeah. Prix. Could they have done something somehow that was, I don't know, kind of like the DS game? Wasn't there something about coin challenges in that one, or maybe look at the Sega All Star Racing Transform game and how they kind of managed the single player? But I mean, I'm not, I think we all kind of concur it's a fantastic game, but I suppose that's one thing that there is an area for improvement, even though this is still probably the best version that we've had today yeah. yeah i think that's just about how most driving games work anyway you know you're always forever unlocking stuff i mean look at forza for instance you're forever getting new add-ons and stuff i think the one criticism that i would have of it is that the online has occasionally been a little bit patchy whenever you're playing with friends <laughs> mm-hmm. in that we whenever we've went on for any a couple of the lgr gaming nights and what have you we've ended up in completely separate lobbies yeah and it's made mark win for some reason so yeah it's definitely <laughs> 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 Yeah, so we've had the quit back out into the, so the sort of main menu and what have you, and then tried going back into the lobbies. So apart from that minor little niggle, um, it's just such a good game and so much fun, especially whenever you are playing online with mates mm. and uh, just setting up a Skype chat. It's just great. Right then, Adam, what's your number five? Mine is uh, Doom, which I suppose I should clarify because nice. we're laps gamers. It's the 2016 version of Doom. <laughs> oh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> Shiny new. Um, I won't be drawn too much on it because it does feature on someone else's list, so we'll have an opportunity to talk about it then. Um, but I think it basically did the best job it could do at bringing that style of shooter into the modern day. It ignored everything that has become standard from like the modern warfare type shooter or any class-based shooters we have like Team Fortress and Overwatch and it brought pure doom to the forefront. Like 
its experience and it's a, and it looked incredible it's probably my best looking game of the year um, I don't think there's a lot else to say about it it's a cracking game I picked mm. up the demo after they announced it at E3 yep um, yeah. so you could pick that up but I think it's still available now I thought it was just a, a timed thing but mm-hmm. yeah I was really impressed with it then and yeah. wanted to pick it up but just not got around to it yet but it, wow. like you say it looked fantastic and the gameplay is great on it yeah it's so fast but you don't yeah. really feel it like go back and play old Doom it's fast but you can still keep up with it yeah no, no I'm not yeah. saying it's a bad thing yeah, at yeah. all like it just it's it's just compared to most shooters out there it just feels so fast and it's really refreshing <laughs> yeah and um, especially they added some traversal mechanics, not quite as much as you see in like Titanfall and stuff, but just enough to like fit with that fast pace and stuff and give you options in combat, which when you come, um, roll it in with the um, gruesome kills system, where like the melee kills really fits in well, like gives you options on the battlefield kind of. Highly recommended game. Uh, Lee. What's your number five? Well, we're going to go from like a very hardcore mature title to uh, <laughs> the kiddies pool, which is where, you know, my skills can come to the fore. <laughs> my number five is Kirby and the Rainbow Curse. Well, actually, that's the US name. It's Kirby and the Rainbow Paintbrush in the UK. Talked about it. I think this was the first game actually I completed this year. So we did talk about it before earlier on the podcast. So I won't say much more other than I loved like the clay aesthetic from the off like as soon as I kind of saw some footage of it I was intrigued by it because it kind of is a sort of sequel to uh, Canvas Curse on the DS you know the fact that you draw rainbow ropes to move Kirby in like a ball shape around and it makes like extensive use of the gamepad and I must admit that games that do feature the use of the gamepad is I'm always kind of drawn to them because sadly Mm. now obviously we can talk about the Wii U in the past tense the potential of that dual screen system for the home console was never really utilised enough and sadly it looks like we might end up losing the whole kind of dual screen altogether for the Switch. Um, so yeah, I mean it's a, it's a game that is very easy to pick up and play like most Kirby titles but it does offer a fair challenge when you like trying to master it in later levels because you have to kind of do things in a much quicker shorter time duration and the controls obviously have to be much more precise. Um, could have done with a few more varied bosses it's another game another nintendo game that kind of recycles bosses just by kind of adding a bit of a spin to them um and the game could have been longer but overall yeah i really really enjoyed it and it was a great one to kind of share with my son because you can kind of play multiplayer and he can be like one of the um I forget their names now, but I think uh, is it Twaddle D's? They, he, like, there's another character that can come on and be played with conventional controls. Um, but this was one of the titles that was like a gateway for my son playing the Wii U. He just took to the whole stylus, you know, on the gamepad like a duck to water. And I think again, that's one of the great, uh, I guess, sales pitches of the Wii U. The fact that it is really a family system, and the whole, you know, your children of any age can kind of get on with it. So yeah, no, beautiful game. Uh, it's definitely what made me want to go back and play um, the one before that I have played but I didn't finish the uh, the one that's got the kind of yarn aesthetic Kirby's Epic Yarn oh, Kirby's yeah. Epic Yarn yeah. so I definitely yeah, want yeah. to put that on the slate for next year so this was yeah a 2015 title so I'm not actually that far behind <laughs> <laughs> even if I am playing a game that might be of limited uh, appeal to the rest of you sort of old curmudgeons (laughs) (laughs) Kirby and the Rainbow Paintbrush is a lovely game Um, Mm. I think it actually works 
really well because it's it's almost um, exclusively on the gamepad unless you are playing multiplayer. That's true. Because there's no reason yeah. there's no reason for you to be looking at the screen or the actual TV. And that's um, right. And that's why a lot of people kind of ragged on it and said it should have been in a 3DS game, which I kind of see, but I, possibly, you know, but I still think it works. You know, I think that's a shame that people yeah. kind of put it at arm's length because they thought it was too expensive as a retail title and it should have been like a handheld experience. I think that's a real shame if you've just not picked it up because you've heard that because it's actually a really fun experience yeah. no nevertheless i would actually argue that it could be doing with being maybe a little bit easier but that's only from a very um obviously a kid's perspective um i know my four-year-old um enjoys playing it but doesn't necessarily get any further than maybe the sort of you know second or third level just because the difficulty does actually ramp up quite significantly and you do have to be an awful lot quicker um, with your reactions and your sort of your stylus work um, to get past those levels so in that respect I think it could be a little bit easier or if there was a difficulty setting in it that made it a little bit easier um, I think that would be a great boon yeah if you let the child play as Kirby and you take up the role as one of the waddledies you kind it of, you help, kind yeah. of just kind of protect them anyway so it kind mm-hmm. of adjust the difficulty in that sense but I still got a great sense of satisfaction out of completing it <laughs> it was great it's a great difficulty level for the big kids <laughs> I remember when you talked about this uh, the first time you mentioned the podcast and it reminds me of a game that seems nobody else has played called Max and the Magic Marker oh yeah I played that Did anyone else play yeah, that like game that yeah I've heard of it yeah what system it's another sort on? of game I, I played that on Windows Phone uh, but it's right, on okay. uh, PC Wii iOS uh, DS Mac. Oh right, okay. Um, so you and it's, it's another sort of game where like you you have to like draw quite a lot of the platforms to be able to progress through the level. Um, yeah, uh, it, yeah, it reminds me quite a lot of that game. I, I, I haven't played a Kirby game in a long time, so I, I want to play that and um, Epic Yarn as well. Epic Yarn looks like quite a bit like um, Yoshi's Woolly World as well. So. Yeah, the same developer yeah. in the case for those two games. But yeah, no, I mean I'm more than happy to post this out to you if you want to play through it it only took me about I think sort of eight hours and it's worth playing just to see the Kirby transformations you know like um, in all of these games he can turn into like a tank a rocket and a a submarine so you know come on Mm. (laughs) that's worth the price (laughs) for mission Stuart Stuart Cullen what's your number five from that delightful delightful wonderful world my number five (laughs) is a cold hard reality check that is uh, Dear (laughs) Esther the the Landscape Edition, um, Dear Esther Landscape Edition, is the HD release of Dear Esther, which was a 2012 game by the Chinese Room, and should be seen, really, as everybody's gone to Rapture's wee brother, or big brother, should I say. Um, a lot of the mechanics and a lot of the kind of storytelling and stuff that's seen in Everybody's Gone to Rapture appears in Dear Esther. Um, it's totally story-driven. Um, I can't really talk about it. Hey-ho, that's the beauty of it. Um, you're set on a hybridian island. You don't really know what's happening. You don't know who you are. You don't know what you're doing. But you know you need to walk about and find bits and pieces that are narrated to you. Um, very moody, very eerie, very sad, depressing and sobering. It's a great game for Christmas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 an experience. Yeah, it's an experience. Um, yeah, um... I'd always been on my radar as one of these tertiary because it's the kind of first ever walking simulator people were kind of like Ooh. and I was kind of like oh I really fancy it and then coming to the Xbox one this year I went ah fuck it let's buy it um, and let's give it a go so yeah um, the real nice thing is we always this director's commentary in it so you actually get to hear what the, the, the logistics were behind it by free the team and it is actually quite interesting because they actually reference Rapture and other works they've worked on throughout it and they actually mention like 
there's like here's a jump scare. This is the quiet ham. This is why we found it. And it wasn't meant to be a jump scare. It was just meant to be a thing. And you get told wee bits you might miss and stuff. So yeah, um, uh, uh, I was gonna say everybody's going to Rapture Landmark Edition. That's a lie. It's the Esther Landmark Edition. Um, yeah, play it. It's good. Yeah, I love it when they do that. There's that's becoming more common, isn't it? Where you can get a commentary to go along with a game. I think. Um, Thomas was alone, had one, and so did the. Is it Life is Strange? You can get, you can download like a commentary. Um, possibly, yeah. Possibly, yeah. And uh, of course, Grim Fandango remastered has uh, commentary yes, as well. Yeah. And Bioshock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Bioshock. Well, technically, Bioshock doesn't have it. It's mere an in-screen documentary where yeah, you yeah. pick up the files and you watch the thing. Whereas in this, it's like go stand, look about, float about. Go, you've spoke for 20 minutes too long. Well, podcast. You spoke for 20 minutes too long. I'm bored now. Move on. Uh, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's, it's good. It's, it's a good game in all respects. That's why it's number five. Ali, what's your number five? Uh, my number five is actually Overwatch. Um, I've struggled this year with the top ten. Uh, I've got quite a lot of games in there. Um, wanted to put it in somewhere, so uh, it found its place at number five for me. Um, obviously, myself and, uh, and yourself, Mark, have talked about this a hell of a lot. Um, Adam as well uh, on, on previous podcasts. So, um, yeah, it, really good game. Really enjoy it. I'm just not playing it as much at the minute. It's just mm. not got that um, long-lasting aspect to it for me at the minute. Not many of my friends are playing it. Um, I know you, you still play it quite a bit. I still am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I was going to say, I know you still play it quite a bit, Mark, um, with the new... Uh, modes and whatnot. Just not a chance to jump on it again. Uh, there's my next game, which we'll get to, uh, which is the game that keeps um, drawing me in. Uh, but yeah, it's a really good game. Um, I thought it deserved a, a place in the top five, and it was just slotting around a few others. Uh, yeah, it, it is a good game. Definitely. You pretty much summed up my sentiments. Like I, it's not in my. It didn't make my top five, but it's still a cracking game. I just think other things have kind of taken over from it. And uh, yeah. But that's, that's not a knock on it as a game. It's a fantastically made game. Yeah, I think for, for those of us that can play quite a lot of games, I know there's yeah. others on the podcast that have got other commitments which limits your gaming time. Um, I think when you get the opportunity to play lots of games, it's hard to think, put yeah. some in, in, in perspective and the ones that are higher up your list are the ones that you're either going back to or that are sticking your mind a bit more that, yeah, yeah that was really good. Definitely, Is it the yeah, kind of time of release... For the calendar as well. I mean, when did that actually came out? Was that the first quarter? Came out in um, came out in May. Yeah, Easter. Easter yeah. time. Yeah. So I, I don't know whether that. I mean, I know it's it actually it's an incredibly popular title that I've seen on a lot of people's end of year list. So it's definitely mm, made yeah. an impression, hasn't it? And changed kind of like the landscape for that type of game. But I just wonder, like you're saying, Ali, if you're someone who has kind of a constant stream of games, and I imagine for Stuart C as well. Um, yeah, I guess the ones that would be making it into your list are games if they've come out earlier in the year. They must have done something to keep putting you back to go yeah. back and play it, even like six, eight, you know, twelve months later. But that's a shame, isn't it? Really, I guess for such a popular title, if there is like a notable fall off, or is that just how those sort of largely online games work? It's just they've got a I short think, life. I think this has been a particularly good year for shooters. Yeah. Uh, which has been a problem for like uh, player attention. I mean, Overwatch has still got massive online presence. Like, you never struggle to get into a game. Uh, it's just that for a lot of people, like you know, a bunch of other shooters have come out since then that may be distracting them from playing it. Like, I still go back to it regularly, at least once a week. Um, but there are a lot of other shooters out there now as well. Yeah, I think yeah. the unique yeah. fact that it was like Blizzard would somehow 
make yeah. it still yeah. I mean, be... it's, it's a, a fantastic oh, no, it's, game. It's, yeah. it's not dropping enough content, but it's not dropping enough content to keep people... A player here, a map there. It needs a big content drop to really bring people back. You know, it's got a bunch of maps. They've added new modes. It's got 23 characters now, 23 or 24 characters. Um, there'll definitely be more to come next year, won't they? But next year, yeah. they'll definitely follow it up. Two new characters. Yeah, they're going to continue releasing new characters. They're going to continue releasing new maps. You know what Blizzard exactly, likes supporting yeah. their games. Like, yeah. They're still yeah. releasing patches for Diablo 2 <laughs> and, uh, and Warcraft 3. So yeah. like, there's no fear that it's, they're, they're going to stop supporting it. This is a game that's going to have legs. And I presume this will go up on somebody else's list, will it? Like, I would have thought this one would feature on other people's list on on this show, or not? Yes, yeah, okay. quite possibly. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Adam said, yeah. We won Game of the Year, didn't it? The Game yeah. Awards last week. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely high regarded. That shows you the high regard in the mainstream press, I guess. Cause, or enthusiast press, because it's them that votes for it. Right, moving on to Andy. What was your number five? It was Batman Arkham Origins with the Cold Cold Heart DLC. Um, quite apt mm-hmm. on a freezing foggy night tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this was the open world um, Origins tale um, by Warner Brothers Montreal, I believe. And it's sort of seen as the dark child, the one that's kicked out of the home <laughs> early and left to fend by itself. The dark child. <laughs> and the runt of the litter. The runt of the litter, yeah. yeah. Sorry, it's actually set at Christmas time as well, isn't it? Is. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But it's, it was looked upon so badly but when it came out it was seen as an afterthought but when you play it it's a really good open world game the story is strong um, it takes back to the origins of um, Arkham and Batman himself sort of doesn't play in terms of every single villain is thrown in. There's bad things about it. It's got Joker in it, which I didn't think it needed. Um, but Batman's being chased around by 12 assassins and you're having to fight fight them off. Um, you'd use, use some interesting weapons. The combat system is still rhythm-based type of like the other Arkham games. And with the Cold Cold Heart DLC, which is a Mr. Freeze origin story, and that end boss battle I just thought it was worthy of a top 5 place and recognition that it's not that bad a game yeah yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it I've played that I've played all of the Batman games um, and thought it was it was really really good I thought the Deathstroke battle was a little bit over a bit too soon yeah a bit easy um, but no yeah, yeah. When did this one come out? Is this a 2016 game? Oh no. 14? This was... 14, um, I think, yeah. Yeah. It was towards the end of uh, the last gen. Yeah, it's PS3 only. Oh, right, yeah. So, sorry, there's been... What's the one that's been since this? Since Knight. that one? It's Arkham Yeah, that's Knight. it. Arkham Knights. Yeah, I think it was Asylum, City, uh, Origins, Origins, and Origins, then Knights. Nice. Oh, and that, yeah. um, the other one. They had that handheld spin-off, yeah. yeah. Black Gate. Yeah, I need to get to them. I still haven't finished the first <laughs> yeah, one. Oh, no, the great. I'm happy to see this on your list, like, because I feel like people dismissed it just because it wasn't by Rocksteady. Yeah. It's definitely as good as them. Like, and yeah. it has, mm. like, the detective thing that I introduced in this one is, like, um, the investigating the scenes. 
Yeah. Um, like breaking down the crimes and stuff. That stuff's really clever. Yeah. Oh, um, that's they've um, taken that on, haven't they? In a way, yeah, for the, the Telltale. Telltale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realise that had already been in like the main series. That's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty similar yeah. to that actually. Yeah, like he'll yeah. sees like the same like holograms of a crime scene and it fixing fitting all together and then piecing out. Yeah. And you what re- happened in what order and stuff? And you can rewind it, can't you? You sort of yeah. rewind that yeah. scene and. Everything, which is more of a look for details mm. yeah yeah that is one of the aspects of the Telltale adventure game that I've really enjoyed mm. yeah. it's the kind of stuff that you would expect to be in there because you know Batman world's greatest detective etc of et course that's great and it's and it makes for another varied like, gameplay mechanic it makes sense instead I think this game was obviously um, helped the development of um, Shadows of Mordor and Mad Max because um, it's all done by Warner mm. Brothers yeah. Uh, yeah. So they, they, it was the. I'm not sure if it was the base that they built up on uh, from, but yeah, it was, it was good. Well, Mad Max didn't build much. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but like the fighting, the fighting. I've heard Batman. people like that game, Mark. <laughs> well, they're Mad Men. <laughs> right, I'll move on to my number five then. Um, a very, very late edition. It, at time of recording, has been out for six days. Uh, Final Fantasy 15. You've not completed it already, uh, surely. No, 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 no. But I have sunk. <laughs> I have sunk far too many hours in already. Like it, it's got me hook, line, and sinker. I'm completely sucked into it. So yeah, Final Fantasy 15. It's an odd game. It's been in development for the better part of a decade, on and off. Changed the type, sort of game it was uh, a number of times. Um, there are bits in that game that you can tell were probably designed with the previous console generation in mind. But overall, I think it's a f- it's a fantastic entry in the Final Fantasy series. It's completely redeemed that series after the train wreck that was Final Fantasy Thirteen and the subsequent uh, expansions for that, and then Fourteen and never really got into because I don't like MMOs. It's odd. It takes a lot of it. Uh, on one hand, it's very Final Fantasy. It's sort of got like a um, futuristic slash fantasy Japanese role-playing elements mixed with like 1950s Americana sort of feel so you're on a road trip out on like long freeways um, stopping at roadside diners to pick up um, side quests and get monster hunting contracts and everybody speaks in sort of like southern American accents and uh, drive around in like 1950s looking American pickup trucks Um, but for somehow the two halves sort of they work together Um, the storyline is not one of the strongest Final Fantasy storylines it's quite confusing it would be even more confusing if I hadn't watched the Kingsglaive film um, the sort of Prelude to the, the the story, um, but the whole thing's held together by the main character and his like three compatriots who are going uh, going around. Like unlike other Final Fantasy games, you don't have like a roster of characters that you can swap in and out. There's just the four main characters, and those will be the four characters you're with all the way through, apart from the odd missions where you're just playing as Noctis on his own. Um, and it just plays out like a sort of weird Japanese fantasy buddy like road trip movie. Um, and I'm really, really enjoying it. The quests, the quests are fun. The combat is fun. Uh, I'm having a whale of time. Yeah, um, that's interesting that it's got into your top five and you haven't completed. It. I mean, I'm obviously aware that it's a really long game, but I don't know whether we mentioned anything about yeah. this criteria. But I'm assuming the majority of us have only included games that we've 
played to the end like as in mm-hmm. the end credits or whatever it's in some term of completion so I guess that's like a really strong uh, positive from you then that you've not finished it but it's still made it into your you know your fifth favourite game of the year despite not finishing I mean like the story could fall off a cliff and I still would have enjoyed <laughs> it it may like, well it do <laughs> it, may, it may well do yeah Final Fantasy games have had shonky endings before and it may have a terrible ending but it but I know that when the game ends the open world opens up a little bit more and you have more of just like the travelling around doing side quests and exploring dungeons and that stuff is just so much fun on its own like, I don't care if the story goes off you know veers off in a terrible direction I'm having so much fun just playing it and we're going to hear really more good. about it next year I presume then because <laughs> you'll be playing it into 2017 oh yes for sure yeah bizarrely me and uh, Mark are probably the and a minority of people that actually like Final Fantasy VIII yes. is probably one of our favourite ones so I'm eager to hear more from you uh, about it in another podcast Mark because it's definitely on my Christmas list if you like Final Fantasy VIII you will like this one it bears a lot of similarities good enough for me so yeah but yeah that's my number five number four my number four then is Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Partly got intrigued by it because of what Lee was talking about over the last month of last year and then first couple of months of this year. And after playing a bit of Mario 3D World, I thought, right, I'm going to have to pick up the rest of these because these puzzles were just really enjoyable little puzzles. It's just such an easy game to get into, play a few puzzles, go pour it down then you can pick it back up again whenever you want revisit the puzzles to try and get through the maze without the shy guy senior for example um it can be as tough or as easy as you want it to be it's just a really enjoyable game and it's got a great graphic style brilliant soundtrack i think that's about all i need from a game really yeah i'm pleased that you know my love for that game is uh encourage you to pick it up even though you know it's falling on deaf ears with some of the, some of the people on the, on the team now <laughs> it was quite infectious <laughs> I've always wondered what does this add that's different to the Captain Toad modes in Mario 3D World or is it just the same it's just the same really you know it's the same sort of mechanic but they've okay. expanded on it it's just more of yeah, it just there's more of it. it and there's obviously yeah. like they've structured it into its own game and there's okay. boss fights and things like that oh okay so there's boss fights rather like than that. just having little drip feeds of it now yeah. you've just got its full blown okay. game of its own and it quite rightly deserves its own game okay alright so moving on Stuart Neal what's your number four my number four this year is Lego Batman 2 um, I've been playing it on the Wii U. I completed it earlier this year, um, probably in around, I'd say probably March or so. I think I completed it before joining the podcast. It is just such a wonderful game. Um, I think compared to, say, either Lego Batman, it massively expands on the scope of the storyline and then also the free play modes, as it basically gives you Gotham City to run around um, after you've done, I think it's maybe five or six of the actual story levels, you can then um, go start chasing down um, the golden bricks and what have you within Gotham City. And Gotham is just such a wonderful world to explore, it just feels so very well realised. And you can literally, if you want to, run from one end of the island to the other. Um, It's fantastic. Um, Also the longevity of the game itself, admittedly it is sort of a fairly standard um, sort of Lego uh, franchise game but it just works so well and it's just so well put together 
as I say, it, it's a massive expansion on what was Lego Batman, and I honestly think that they've taken the best um, of the sort of the first one and what have you and unfortunately I think they have muddled the waters a little bit with Lego Batman 3 I think it expands on the character set just a little bit too much um, whereas Lego Batman 2 keeps it down as sort of a nice tight cast you're basically Batman, Robin or Superman and uh, I think it works very well with that um, whereas um, with Lego Batman 3 there's maybe too big a cast and too many similar abilities um, being spread across those um, but Lego Batman 2 is just so much from the play and uh, especially whenever you get um, the play as Superman and uh, just flying Gotham, flying around Gotham City uh, with the uh, John Williams Superman music playing in the background is just brilliant. Uh, such a just a lovely game to play and control. Well, it's funny because I started playing Lego Batman 2 quite independently of um, this show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, picked it back up on PS3. I've had it kicking around for ages. And for some reason, I'd got into my head that the hub world was so huge that it just really put me off playing it. But mm-hmm. um, I went back into it, and it's not at all, because as you're going through the story, it's all working from the Batcave anyway, so you can fast travel. Yeah. And as soon as I realised that, I thought, you've been such a mug. <laughs> <laughs> I've, just, I've just lost it, lost out on about eight months' worth of play that they could have been doing with this. But yeah, it is. It's a great game, and I think, like you said, they've just got the balance right. There's a good set of cast characters, plenty to collect as well. You know, as far as collecting. Yeah, there's two hundred, two hundred, yeah, two hundred and fifty gold bricks, but none of them necessarily feel like a chore. Yeah. Each of them is its own little short challenge, and mm. you, as I say, you you know you can go to them and try and track them down um, whenever you want to. You can continue on the story, and once you finish the story, you can go back to them or um, enter spliced in between you know the story bits and pieces. You can just go and hunt um, maybe you know five or ten of them down. Um, if you have a shorter period of uh, time to actually sit and play it. Um, and as I say, they just don't feel like a chore. They just feel like yeah. almost a little mini-level in itself. Um, but it's just perfect. Yeah, to make Kev feel better, I think I struggled actually to navigate the like the overworld to begin with. I don't think it clicked for me that you could do the whole sort of um, waypoint and fast travel. Um, actually, also, Kev, you saying you've played it on PS3 now. I wondered, also, it's interesting to hear from Stuart playing it on the Wii U. Have you had any like performance issues? Because I remember late on in the game when the, the levels got a bit more kind of hectic and frenzied. I remember it crashing out on me a few times on PS3 and even some of the trophies glitching you know like where you're you've completed the game yeah. but some of them don't no. unlock I, d- I wondered if there was any issues on the Wii U certainly on the all. Wii U I didn't notice any issues um, certainly no frame rate drops or anything and certainly it let me get the 100% on the achievements and everything so no um, I had no issues at all with it that's something to look forward to then yeah, definitely. Well, I don't know. I think you can re- you can replay them. I think on the PS3, and it does unlock eventually. But I can definitely remember the last level having to kind of restart that several I think times. Maybe the issue was with control flight controls. I think it was our first attempt at the flight controls, and it was just <laughs> yeah. I think real yeah, hassle yeah. to get some of these. I think we're fine with Superman in particular, try to get some of these gold bricks in um, certain difficult places, and where the camera moved and where the you were controlling the flight, it was just difficult. We've moved on and we progressed in later Lego games, but I do remember having getting really pissed off with this game at times. But it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the screens here, you know, when you do multiplayer, it's frustrating. I take it the gamepad overcomes that because you can have mm. a screen for you yourself. You can do, yeah, in the multiplayer, yeah, you yeah. can have a separate screen um, for each player. Adam, what's your number four? Uh, so my number four is actually my only 
2015 tie I think it's 2015 that's in my list um, yeah it was yeah and it's Valiant Hearts um, the reason I picked this game is I, I talked about it briefly way back when I was first on the podcast I'm massively into like World War 1 stories and stuff because my family has a pretty uh, <laughs> as we put it checkered history with World War 1 and so it's always fascinated me like the actual personal stories of people I'm not interested in anything to do with the actual like war or anything but more the people that went through it and Valiant Hearts did a very good job of telling those stories that weren't necessarily the stories of people like saving the world but how they people in like testing times of the war and certainly like the very personal touch tales that Valiant Heart manages to like wrap up in a really good platform, puzzle platform game as well. Um, uses the UbiArt um, engine, which we saw in like Child of Light and the Rayman Legends. And it's just a fantastic game. And if there's anyone that hasn't played it, it's been on PS Plus and Xbox Games with Gold. I definitely recommend people pick it up. Also, if you're ever like people that are into like games with like almost like educational merit, it has some of the best pickups ever. You'll pick up things like um, little trinkets and stuff, and it'll tell you stories. Like there's one where um, it shows you the embroidery of uh, one of the soldiers, and soldiers used to send embroidery home, and that was fascinating to me because we've actually got pictures of some of the embroidery that my great grandfather sent back during the war, and it's just fascinating to see like other work. Like it's a real picture of somebody's actual artwork that they sent back to the home to their family. To me, that kind of thing's fascinating. It's like the other side of the war, the more like human side, I guess. So yeah, highly recommend it. Yeah, that's when I started, uh, and then can't remember why I stopped. I must have got distracted by something else, but it sat on my hard drive. It's on my backlog. I'm going to get that one finished soon, because uh, what I played was um, equal parts charming and completely harrowing as well. There's some pretty uh, awful Mm. things that happen in that game, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely has a charm to it as well, and having a little dog in it kind of helps that as well. Yeah. Oh, Kev can't play it then. If the dog gets hurt... <laughs> yeah, forget it, I'm out. <laughs> but if, if anyone from Ubisoft is listening, we'd like more of those UBR games, please, yeah? Yeah, thanks. Uh, Lee, what's your number four? My number four is a game I don't think we've had a chance to talk about on the podcast yet. Um, it is a Nindy, so it's like an eShop title on the Wii U, and it's affordable space adventures, so this is a kind of a puzzle adventure game published by Knock Games with collaboration from Niflas Games. It's um, it's kind of like one of these ones that was actually a rare exclusive. It was like a bespoke game designed purely for the Wii U gamepad, like the two screen experience that I was kind of mentioning before with Kirby. But this game, I would say more than probably any other actually, even some of the Nintendo titles, really utilises that because you are controlling a spaceship um, which is kind of like set out in a 2D kind of environment almost a bit like the swapper actually in terms of gameplay and atmosphere but you are controlling all of the spaceship's operational um, functions via the gamepad so as you progress through the levels you get given different functionality to master so it can be anything from just the lights to the engine you've got like different types of engines some are fuel based some are engine based um, like electric based sorry and it will change the emissions that you your ship puts out and there's kind of like various obstacles and enemies in the in the environment which react to certain things so it's it's kind of like the puzzle element comes from what controls do i have to combine to be able to navigate 
successfully past you know the, the baddies and the obstacles without kind of crashing and you know you do die repeatedly <laughs> but um it's still got a wonderful kind of um like the swapper that lovely learning curve where you really feel like there is a challenge to solve in the puzzles but when you do you know you feel very kind of like clever <laughs> and satisfied and it's not kind of like an impossible brick wall has anyone else played this at all because obviously i know it being a wii u exclusive some other some of us aren't going to be able to have played I've, it i've started it i've done about the first two maybe three levels um i've got very far into it uh, partly because I can't drive the ship. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of these games that's fascinating because it seems impossible to start with, but you really become rather adept at it as you go along. And uh, it's just ingenious, like, level design. They've done so well, I think, to kind of maximise the potential of the system. It's just such a shame that other developers, Nintendo included, haven't done this. Like, there should have been... Mo- the, the Affordable Space Adventures experience of the two screens should have been a mainstay of that system, and I think it would have done, you know, far better if that would have been the case. I mean, there's this little kind of story that's very humorous um, but goes incredibly dark towards the end, which I won't spoil because I really do urge you to play it, you know, Adam and Kev next year if you can. Because yeah. this is the I'm one that we got for, like, a pound didn't we in that like friends of nintendo humble bundle yeah and it's just like insane value i mean it was great in single player and i would imagine it's absolutely phenomenal if you've got a family that can play it because it can support like four players and then you can actually allocate roles one of you can be the pilot one of you can be the navigator one of you can you know do other bits and bobs so it's um got an incredible amount of depth for such a kind of simple execution so yeah affordable space adventures played it very late in the year um and it's fantastic you know one of the most enjoyable experiences i've had in 2016 and this was a 2015 release Stuart Cullen, what is your number four? My number four was what 2016 was all about. Dead celebrities. No, sadly not. No, it was about VR and how VR came home. Um, and for me, it was the flagship of VR was Riggs Mechanized Combat League, which is developed by the boys at Guerrilla Cambridge. <laughs> Those non-crazy Dutch guys are connected to the guys that kills them. Um, yeah, Riggs embodied everything I wanted with VR. Speed excitement and battling um, it's a bit like Monday Night Combat meets Titanfall in a kind of way kind of smushing together a wee bit um, visually it's it's really nice looking it works like shit off a shovel smooth you can go online and play against six other folk in VR headsets who probably look like a tool in their house as well um, the campaigns the leagues the teams everything just shines polishes and it, it, it hits the sweet points with VR having played quite a few VR games that when you look down, you're wearing a suit, that really helps for immersion. Uh, you look and you're not just a set of floating hands and stuff. Um, and the general just presentation, it's treble A. It's really nice, and I know it's the price, it's, it's the probably that and Eve or the two £50 games on VR. Riggs is worth it all night long, all day long. Um, just, yeah, great depth, great enjoyment. Yeah, go for it. Woo! Riggs. <laughs> Did it ever make you feel nope. motion sick? Nope, not once. Not at all? Not once. I love that rush. Hmm. When you shoot into the arena, that's why I love it, because when you shoot into the arena, you just you, you know it's game time, because you just feel your body going inside, and you're sat there <laughs> on a chair. You know, it's it, it's the one you get the rush for. When you jump on your feet in the air and you look down, you, you feel it, but I think it's because of the speed of it, and because hmm. it's quite uninhibited how it lets you move. 
you feel the rush and you feel the speed and you feel the drops because you are in control. It's not as if it's holding your hand and going, right, now we're going to let you feel a wee bit of speed and now we're going to let you feel a wee bit of jumping and now we're going to let you feel it. No, 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 it's like, great, fuck it, when you go, there's a robot go nuts and you're running about, swide, swiping and jumping and punching. And yeah, it's, it's VR. Yes, it's old VR. Yes, VR. So, yeah. Out of all the games that come out on it, that was the best that I felt in the VR. Yeah, it does strike me as, like, the first proper, if you like, proper release for VR, where it's a full game, and it actually works like it's supposed to be a VR game, mm-hmm. you know, rather than something that's just like, oh, look at this tech demo, you know, yeah. this is actually it's a proper sh- game. It's shocking how it's not been seen as the poster child, do you know what I mean? Yeah, should- how, soon you f- how soon you forget Tethered. <laughs> well, t- no, I mean, as far as, you know, you've got stuff like Tethered, yeah, fair enough, um, but this is the one that they're going to be, u- they should be using as the Call of Duty kind of calling yeah, card. Yeah, this should be the poster yeah, child, yeah. this should yeah. be everywhere, and adverts this and stuff like that. should be. Um, mm. And it's, well, I'm no one to put it out there, but VR looks like it's been forgotten. It looks like the new VR. Yeah, it's the new Vita, the machine they bring out that's wonderful, <laughs> great and amazing, and Sony think thinks that dead. I think no. I think that might have more to do with the fact that they didn't make enough headsets, and so now. But then that expo thing, there was very, very light. Uh, I know, like you go, Ace Combat's in VR. Yeah, Ace Combat's non-VR as well, and Gran Turismo's in VR, but it's also non-VR. There was very few flagship VR only titles, and what was shown was pretty piss poor. That arena one is not a patch on what fucking rigs is. You know what I mean? So. Strange times, but we can but hope and pray. Number four. Ali, what was your number four? Uh, my number four is The Division. Um, nice. Which I keep thinking was a 2015 game. It's actually a 2016 game. Yeah, it came out in um, um, yes. March. March or something. Yeah. 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 That was all the rage it's, for a while. Yeah. That's all that anyone was talking about. Roller coaster release, um, which makes me think it's been out for ages because it's not many games that have this uh, RPG element to it that have been out so long and it seems pretty well established. Um, loved it when it first came out. Um, I, I thought it was really, really good. I know there was um, a few issues that compared to the E3 demo, compared to what we actually got, was different. It was um, Ubisoft being on- Ubisoft. Yeah, Here's an amazing it, demo. Yeah. Here's what we've made for you. Um, but I've got it on PC as well, and it looks completely different on PC. The finished version of The Division was really good, and the end game was really good, and then they broke it. Yeah. That was what killed the game. Yeah, so it started off really, really well, uh, and then the end content, uh, you, you finish quite quickly, um, but they released the year one season pass, which seems to be quite a common thing these days. Um, it seems like, fingers crossed in a, in a bizarre way, that a lot of games are starting to go down like uh, Ray- not Rainbow Six yeah Rainbow Six I've got a year two pass out so rather than having FIFA 16, 17, 18, 19 and blah 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 blah, you, they're just going to do a, a big like almost expansion pass dangerous that but as well because somebody twinned it with Evolve and Evolve did do that and we all don't talk about Evolve anymore and we don't know what Evolve is because Maybe it did play that Evolve anyway and that's what I mean because it yeah. did that it's, it, it did it to such a level it broke the actual game if you know what I mean with the DLC season pass I think something like Division and that has got a a big enough um, potential time frame that it can have like a season 2 and things just do a Destiny on it it'll just stay with Destiny you've got to leave it haven't you you've got to let the game be a success before you can do it Evolve didn't do that they set that out from the start that was the problem they left the Division 2 
Destiny is like its twin, and you look at how Destiny was supported. The division everybody was in, great, 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 and then there was nothing. And then the first insertion took forever to be released. Yeah. And then uh, no, it wasn't that. It was like that the first uh, incursion came out reasonably soon after the game was out. It's just that it broke that they broke the game so badly they delayed the DLC to fix the base game. It just got boring. I think if you, you hot the level cap and there was nothing to do. It's in my top four uh, because I've got it on three formats. Uh, one of which Ubisoft did give me. Ubisoft love you. Uh, um, and um, they they did break the game for a while after the incursions. Uh, got it on the PS4. Um, and for the last month or so, I played the shit out of it to the point my wife says, "Can you stop shooting people uh, and play something else?" <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it, 1.4 patch uh, upped it quite a bit. And we're up 1.5. I've played a little bit of survival, um, and and it's really really good. Quite like in the underground, um, and I respect Ubisoft for saying yeah. Rather than leaving it to die, they've actually delayed their content because I think we're only up to uh, the second or third content patch about to come out we should be nearing the fourth one um, so they, they delayed it to fix it uh, and, it, and it's really really good they've done a Diablo-esque update on it which means uh, you can get loot for, for days uh, it's actually easier to gear up maybe a little bit too easy um, but uh, but yeah really enjoying it Andy what's your number four? Well where would a top ten list or a top five list be without my game of a generation, but Shadow of Mordor, <laughs> the Black Lord. <laughs> yeah, so this is a DLC, this is a second DLC for Shadow of Mordor. Um, it, basic gameplay, um, Shadow of Mordor is an open world where you take control in the main game, it was Italian. In this DLC, you are Kelly Brimbor. And. It sort of fills in the backstory for the game, why there's towers around Mordor. I know if you, well for those of you who haven't read The Silmarillion, as many of you, it sort of changes things around. Um, you get slightly different skills um, compared to Talion, and there's still that great feature in Nemesis system. Um, so it does feature that. The storyline was good. Um, and I also thought the ending uh, when you fight Sauron was a better ending than the main game it wasn't perfect but it was better than just um, a QTE I thought you were going to say better than Return of the King <laughs> no <laughs> not that quite good but overall I thought it did some things really well rectified the ending a bit um, filled more of a story and give us more Shadow of Mordor so when's the sequel coming? Because remember back, at, no, remember at E3, it was leaked and there were pictures. That was one of the mm. mysteries of the year. Was they showed all this release, like PR posters and all that. And then E3 came and went and done yeah. that. And it was kind of like, were fans just mocking this stuff up and the eager hope that it would be announced? Or was it there and no there? I don't know. Next year, maybe. Mysteries. I think it's due another one. I think it's, it's good. Yeah. Give them time to sort out improve that system. Mad Max 2, sneak out first. <laughs> Right, I'll do my number four then. I uh, won't say too much about this because it's probably going to feature on other people's lists slightly higher up. Uh, but my number four is uh, Super Mario 3D World on the Wii U. Yay! Um, <laughs> such a Take wonderful that, game. Take that, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, what was that? I, I thought I heard something. Nah, nah, nothing. <laughs> nothing there. Nothing there. <laughs> 
as you were. Now, Super Mario 3D World is is a fantastic game. It took what the studio learnt when they made um, Super Mario Galaxy and Galaxy 2 and uh, 3D Land on the on the 3DS and just evolved it. It's it's that the perfect distillation of that sort of like introduce a mechanic, iterate on the mechanic, um, and then leave that mechanic with like a big flourish and then move on to the next level and they try something new and then something new and then something new um the introduction of the the cat suit uh was a nice little uh you know a nice little new addition as well as bringing back the old favorites like your, your tanuki suits and everything like that um and also the uh are they called mega mushrooms i can't remember what they're called the ones that you get every now and then that make you turn giant and you can just smash through the maps. Yeah, oh, I yeah, so. yeah, no, like, fun, whatever they're called. Yeah, they're like little moments like that that are just ridiculously fun. But the game as a whole is just so incredibly polished and so incredibly well designed. It's it's great fun. It's utterly chaotic if you play it in co-op. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, it is. And it's it's stunning and it's just it's 3D Mario at its best. Number three. On to the home straight, the bronze medal position, and the uh, the final games that we'll be talking about on this half of the Game of the Year show. Uh, Kev, what is your number three of the year? It were a bit of a bolt from the blue, this one. It's hmm. Ratchet and Clank 2016. Nice. Obviously a PlayStation 4 exclusive, because mm. uh, Ratchet and Clank, by its nature, it's always been Sony. But mm. um, it is basically a retread of the first PlayStation 2 game, but good God, they've done a really good overhaul on it. Um, yeah, it's it's not your average uh, HD remaster, is it? <laughs> Definitely not, no. no. <laughs> a hell of a lot more fun in it. Um, tons, as usual, to collect. Um, the crazy range of weapons you've got is beyond belief and and still Mr. Zircon is my favourite character of all time oh man I love Mr. Zircon he's so good <laughs> Mr. Zircon listen- is here to kill <laughs> yes I could just listen to that guy just all day <laughs> <laughs> a really enjoyable game a quite an easy I would say to an extent romp straight through you know like a, a 3D mm. action platformer um Right up until you get to the final level where you're taking on Dr. Nefarious and then the, yes. the curve just goes straight through the ceiling. It just mm-hmm. goes stupid. It's really, really, really hard. Yeah, it doesn't really ratchet up. Like the, 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 There's kind of a gentle difficulty curve mm. and then it spikes massively on that final <laughs> boss. Like, I struggled a bit with him as well. I, I, I don't know how young kids would, would, uh, would fare with that final boss, but apart from that one little niggle... It's a really, really good like 3D action platformer. Mm. And the fact that you've still got plenty of legs on it because you can go back afterwards and there's loads and loads of challenge modes and yeah. extra stuff. And you, you've still, even if you've finished the whole game, that you can guarantee that you've still not levelled up all your weapons. You've still not collected all the cards that you can collect. There's, it's still got plenty to really go for and enjoy and go through again and even if you don't have that it's just so much fun that it's you know you could like come back six months later and play through it again it's not a particularly long game like it was it was 30 pounds at launch so god knows what it is now um yeah it's good cheap fun Mm. i got it bundled with my uh ps4 when i brought it uh earlier Mm. this year uh i thought i wasn't sure about it um, but yeah, I've had loads of fun on it. I need to go back and finish it off. But yeah, yeah. That's, it's a really good game. Enjoy it. 
Mm. Watch out for Dr. Devarius. Was there any <laughs> kind of tie over with the film at all? Yeah. All of the pre-rendered cutscenes are taken directly from the film. It's yeah. it's a strange one as well because the pre-rendered cutscenes actually look worse than the game you're playing and you think, well, surely this is a bit of a weird change around because we yeah. I remember when you used to watch a, uh, you know, you you playing a game, you come to the cutscene and it suddenly looks amazing, then you go back to 8-bit graphics straight after. So it was quite a bit of a twist, that. It is un- it's like an unreasonably pretty game. I mean, it, it only runs at 30 frames a second. Like, it's not like a, you know, 60 frames, but it doesn't really need to be for that sort of game. But, yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. There's still a lot of business going on on the screen as well, so there's always plenty oh, yeah. to marvel at. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. Mr. Zircon lives on fear. Have you been killed by Mr. Zircon yet? Stuart Neal, what is your number three? My number three is Gone Home on the PC, which I only recently completed, but it went straight in at number three as just a quite frankly amazing experience. (coughs) The game itself isn't necessarily long. Um, I think I took about maybe two hours or so. And I'm fairly sure you could probably, not necessarily speedrun it, but sort of very quickly um, move through the game in maybe an hour or so. Um, But it's actually one that benefits greatly from you taking your time over it. The main storyline is that you play Kate, who is... um, has moved away from home um, or at least is on like a student placement year or gap year in Europe and you have arrived home to an empty house Um, you unexpectedly arrived back early and you had expected everybody to be there it's worth also saying that the house you're arriving back to isn't your the family home that you left Um, since you have left your parents and your little sister have actually moved into a completely different house so in reality you've never been in this house and uh, so you actually have to make your way through it and find little clues um, as to the sort of whereabouts of your um, your parents and your little sister. The one little clue that you do get is a note stuck to the door um, from your little sister just saying that she has left and uh, she doesn't know when she'll be returning. But as you go through the house, you pick up little notes. There's um, little photographs. There's um, sort of different little articles and things that your sister has written for school. Um, so certain items that you pick up, you will hear audio logs um, read out by the uh, the an actress playing as Sam um, to give a little bit more detail about what has happened um, in the intervening year or so um, that you've been away. And then you'll find out clues as to what's happened with your family as well. Um, such as your father is a uh, is a writer, and your uh, mum works for the uh, park authorities, um, presumably in America. And um, it's, I say, it's not very long. It's not a huge game in its scope. In reality, the the setting is just within a house, but the the graphics are nice and everything. But that's not the point. It's the fact that they took an awful lot of time to go into the backstories of all these people and um, decided what items were going to be laid about the house and where they were going to be laid um, for you to find them and uh, just an, an almost astonishing experience um, to a degree I think the tone of it um, maybe leads you in a certain way that is different from what the ending turns out to be and um, 
but that is all I will say about it as I don't necessarily want to be too spoilery as I, I know Mark still wants to play it and I'm sure a couple of the, yes. uh, the other guys on the cast could easily put in two hours into it and uh, enjoy it yeah because it was given away free wasn't it recently for a yeah. weekend it was I think it was uh, yeah the developer put it up on HIO um, so I think it was if you were quick enough and were able to get signed into an account and what have you, you were able to um, get that added on and uh, I think it was available for download briefly as well but uh, yeah, um, it's one of those ones that also comes up regularly in Steam sales and things now and I'm sure it's uh, it's probably hitting that 75% off uh, discount in any of the Steam sales and what have you but uh, thoroughly worth playing and uh, experiencing Yeah, sounds fascinating it is, yeah, mm. and, and you know a lot of people, and I've said this on the uh, the previous um, shows, that you know a lot of people say are a little bit dismissive of walking simulators and what have you. I would definitely put this down to as a this is a first person mystery game, is probably the best way of putting it. Now, there's not necessarily puzzles and things; you're just discovering clues as you go through the house, and each clue. Some of the clues do um, sort of give you maybe a code or whatever that will let you get into a, uh, a safe or um, will help you find a key or whatever that you need later in the game. Um, but yeah, just uh, really, really enjoyable. Right, Lee, what's your number three? So my last game to talk about on part one of our Game of the Year show is Thomas Was Alone. So this is a game that I played oh, so good. earlier in the year and I think I actually... I may have talked... Did we talk about this when Stuart made his debut on the podcast? Or it might have been around that sort of time? Because this is one that you mm. really highly regarded as well, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, just a very basic platformer, but the sort of detailing and the narration, um, particularly of Danny Wallace and what have you behind it, and obviously then the storyline um, that you get little snippets of either through the narration or even through the, uh, the little sort of pop-up um, subtitles. Um, on the screen and what have you itself is uh, it's a very very impressive and such a, a well put together um, game even as a, a platformer in itself to say that it's maybe a basic platformer is a little bit dismissive of how cleverly laid out each of the actual levels and what have you are well the only way it's basic is artistically yeah um, and that's got an appeal itself hasn't it the fact yeah, that they're kind yeah. of um, shapes aren't they yeah. the only reason it was like that was because Mike Bithell said he didn't know how to do the artwork <laughs> so he designed it the best he could but like it, in terms of actual level design it's brilliant it is yeah and uh, Mike Bithell is still such a massive supporter of it um, he mm. recently there I think about a month ago he was actually um, giving away free steam keys and things um for Thomas was alone, and there was also a, a special limited um, physical release of it as well. I think on possibly PS4 and, uh, or possibly Vita. Um, and uh, yeah, it's brilliant. So it is. Yeah, it's on, <laughs> it's it is on every platform. Yeah, I mean, I played it on Vita, but you're right, it's everywhere. And I think. Uh, Mike Bithell was trying to make sure every man, woman, and child kind of has access to play. And, uh, but that's great because, you know, there's like a lot of the best games, you can play it just for the kind of surface mechanics of it being, you know, this kind of set of 10 levels um, over like a system of 10 levels where you get kind of different shapes introduced and you just try and get to the end goal. But like you say, you've obviously got that other layer where you've got this narrative about. Um, I think the company's called Artificial Life Solutions or something, and it's about this whole idea that there are the AI becomes self-aware, but they perceive themselves as these different shapes, and they've all got kind of different uh, skills and personalities. Mm. And that whole idea that 
you kind of go on a, an adventure of platforming, but also a kind of existential experience where they're all trying to get, they're all trying to reach emergence via the fountain of wisdom or something. And like you said, it's all brilliantly delivered by Danny Wallace's narration, but also, um, is it David Houston that does the music? Because that soundtrack for this game is absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, no, I just loved it, really enjoyed it and played it. The DLC, the Benjamin's Flight, expansion which kind of acts as a prequel because you kind of meet similar characters i mean benjamin thomas is obviously the, the kind of main character that you play in the, the thomas was alone original game but you've got a jetpack now as benjamin and that kind of adds a little fun dynamic to the game and you meet other ais that you've previously you know met as in the guise of thomas so i thought that's like an interesting just little connection there and overall just a, a really lovely wonderful experience like satisfying both narratively but mainly also through the gameplay and i think um it's pretty much everyone who played this one actually yeah i think on this yeah, I played it. no no what get out get out <laughs> oh man you've got to play it's great it. on the vita yeah i would get it on the vita rally definitely yeah it works well on vita yeah, and at the moment it's available on Windows, OS X, PlayStation 3, PlayStation Vita, Linux, iOS, Android, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and Wii U. And the microwave. So you've got no and, excuse. And the microwave. <laughs> it's not on your mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's probably like about Fiverr on Vita, and it, again, it's probably in sales. Oh, yeah, buttons. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that was my number three. Stuart Cullen, what is your number three? My number three... Um, is the hottest thing to come out of Poland since I don't know Andy. something <laughs> some <laughs> since The Witcher Three since The Witcher Three yes it is super hot super hot super hot super hot super hot super super hot super hot yeah oh you're yeah, breaking you up idea. on Skype this G. um <laughs> no, see what, if you played it you'd know it was called super hot super super hot super hot yeah um yeah super hot um. What is super hot? Super hot is an FPS that's not an FPS. When is an FPS not an FPS? It's when it's super hot. Um, it is a puzzler. At its core, it is a puzzler game that is very good at making you think it's an FPS. Uh, how does it do that? Well, it does it by making time move. Time only moves when you move. So you stop, time stops. You move, time moves. Uh, it's as simple as that. So you can be shooting, and it's a wonderful mechanic because you can do wonderful combos. You can run into a room, pick up a pool ball, throw it at somebody, grab their gun, shoot the barman, grab his shotgun, shoot the guys coming in the door. And all of this is a beautiful ballet played out, which would take maybe 30 seconds in real time, but you've played it out over four and a half minutes because you're sitting going, what do I do now? Um, I couldn't wait to play it, so I got jumped on board at the PC it is now on Xbox and stuff but um, at the time I was like on the cusp because there was like a pre-release version of it as well I think that was maybe Kickstarter or Grey Area um, which as I told it was a slightly different version to the actual released one so at the time I reviewed it I reviewed it pre-release so I played a version that then evolved <laughs> after release which I didn't realise till my brother played through it the next day and he said yeah, you, did you get by that bit I'm like what bit and he's like yeah they've plugged in a load of story and we were like ooh that's interesting um, the story and stuff and all that and I don't give a shit about that it's all about the core mechanics it's all about the core gameplay and that second to second puzzle solving and the ability to throw swords at guys and throw guns at guys and the visual aesthetic it's like if you took what was a kind of mirror's edge styling and smushed it with Tron with something else it's all very polygony very 
white. Everyone's white, apart from the guys that are attacking you are blue. Are blue? No, they're not. That's that's a lie. I'm colorblind. The guys that are attacking you are red, and basically, I think, I think things you can interact with are black. Oh, a lot of the stuff's black. It's black, white, and red. That's it. And there's very base, simple, but immensely fun, and deserves to be at number three all day long because it's amazing and it's for Poland and it's great. And yeah, go buy super hot, super hot, super hot, super. Yeah, you get that. I idea. will say. I think you've done the story in injustice because I've played it. It may or may not be on my list somewhere else. I don't, but <laughs> and I def, I definitely think like that's what kept me going. Like I oh, finished it I in one go that. because of the story. The challenge for each, it was each different level was at its own wee section. Nah. Wee cha- See, I I loved the gameplay. I loved just fucking with the game. Like if I run down this corridor, how close can I get to that shot before having to duck left and stuff? And it was just the actual core mechanics here. I loved. I know the stories there and stuff, and that's great if that's your thing. But for me, it was fast and arcadey and really, really good, and it was unlike anything else I'd ever played because of that whole. I'm trained to run and shoot and dodge and dive and duck. That's great, but nobody ever says, "By the way, stop." No, what do you want to do? Uh, grab that bottle and smash that guy. Brilliant. And yeah, fair enough. Like I said, the stories there and stuff. But it wasn't what go to number three for me. It was that core, core mechanic of gameplay. That's what it was for me. Magic. Andy, what is your bronze medal? Bronze medal goes to um, Apophian by Alien Trap. And this was given away by, uh, by Sony uh, through PS Plus. I think it was this year sometime. Yeah. Um, it's an action role-playing platformer. And the main attraction for me was the graphics, because they're done in the classic Greek style. As I played it, you think, oh, it's just a bog-standard um, platformer. Um, what's interesting, though, unlike um, a famous Sony character who gets pissed off all the time, this guy isn't getting really pissed off, but is getting his vengeance on the Greek gods. The boss battles are really cool uh, it just kept giving and kept pushing the envelope of the gameplay so it'll just tease you along it just took me through the game the game's about eight hours or so but i thought this was a bit of a surprise and worthy of my bronze uh, i downloaded this when it first came out on ps plus um i admitted i only played about 15 20 minutes of it but it didn't click with me but i've heard good things from a number of people who, who've, who've uh, played it all the way through including yourself so I feel like I should probably reinstall it and give it another go uh, maybe next year um, I, it does have a really striking art style it looks just like um, those old Greek vases the art style that you get around those um, and I'm kind of a sucker for, for Greek mythology so should probably give it a go yeah I'm like you I was a bit unsure of it at first but the more you go through the more level it does change you know sort of expand that gameplay interesting Ali and Adam I haven't left you out because I'm sick of hearing your voice yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, I thought I would leave you guys to the end because we've only gone and all picked the same game for our number threes so I figured it'd probably be a good idea if we just joined heads and uh, talked about it together Titanfall 2! So yeah, our collective number three uh, in the bronze medal position is Titanfall 2. What a game. 
what a shooter. Yep. It's worth noting that we've unplugged Cullen's mic for this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I gather both of you guys have played Titanfall 1, because you're both uh, Xbox One owners. Yep. Yep. So this was my introduction into the world of Titanfall. Like before, uh, I, I didn't even manage to play it on a friend's Xbox One before. Um, so my first taste of it was when the, uh, the the first technical test weekend came out, and I had a lot of fun with it. And people who played the first one complained about a lot of changes they made, um, which they then fixed in the second one. Uh, and then the final game is almost a perfect shooter, in my opinion. Um, they put in a campaign which was missing from the first game uh, it's not the longest campaign it's about five hours long um, maybe a bit less depending on you know how, whether you're going for collectibles or whatnot but it's a brilliant like example of how to uh, of like f- um, build a, a, a camp- build a campaign around the gameplay rather than around a dumb story or something like that because to be honest I can't I can't tell you much about the storyline from the Titanfall 2 campaign all I can tell you about is the actual gameplay which was fantastic um, and then the multiplayer is just I can't get enough of it yeah I mean I think for me like you say it's you play that many games and stuff it, it's hard to remember the whole entire storyline but someone wants to steal something and you've got to stop them uh, yeah. And the main pilot dies, and you're not actually a pilot at the start. You're just a, a foot soldier, and then this, yeah, just you rookie. help. Yeah, you help this Titan get back on his feet, and and it's such a uh, gripping story, and it's not massively long, um, mm-hmm. which which is great. Um, and yeah, it doesn't outstay its welcome. Yeah, it possibly could do with being a little bit longer. Uh, definitely missing from the first game, but I would probably argue it's almost one of the best stories of 2016 in terms of single player. I'd go with that. Uh, not uh, not yeah. in terms of the actual overall plots, I'd say. No. Because, like, in terms of the characters, like the, the villains that you come up against are all memorable and they were all fun to, to you know, go up against. Uh, BT is a good character uh, and the, the sort of relationship between the, the, the character that you're playing as and BT, the Titan, is... Is uh, is really quite touching in places and also really funny in places as well. Yeah, um, when he's throwing you around and different things. But I just think as, yeah. a, as, as a whole package, um, I, I just think that the the story mode is really really good. Hmm. I think so, and I think it benefits from that shorter length. Like a lot of game plots are so dragged out and stuff, and we're yeah. constantly trying to compare them to like TV series or movies more mm-hmm. often, and that just doesn't work when you have such a thin plot spread over twenty hours. Yeah. I feel this kind of benefits from being condensed mm-hmm. yeah. um, and condensed in every way. Like each level has a different gameplay conceit, almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, each level has a different one of those stupid, memorable villains. Like they're all kind of dumb, really, but they're all very memorable. Yeah. Um, even though you only see them briefly a lot of the time, like they'll talk to you through the level and you'll see them very briefly. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so I think in that context, it is definitely one of the best single players it's almost nintendo-esque in in the way that it's kind of like each level introduces some new way to play with the gameplay mechanics yeah and then like it introduces it and then turns it on its head and then move on to the next level and it discards Chucks that and brings away. in something new yeah yeah uh, obviously we've we've said that ea sent it out to die and and different things mm. like that um but it has won a few awards quite yeah. a lot of the critics yeah. are loving it 
uh, which is uh, a good thing, but it's a, it's a shame also. Um, and, and I think, I know uh, Stuart Cullen did say it's a bit too easy, but I think that works really well for me, that there are some games, even Overwatch to an extent, that if you just want to sit and just play a... I'm not going to call it... It's not dumb, but that kind of just... You can just jump in and play it. You don't need to think about your setup, your load up, things like that. You could technically just jump in and play whatever. You might not get to the top of the leaderboards, but it doesn't matter how... Like, for example, we could just hand the controller to, I hope, Lee and Kev. Not massive Ofe with that kind of a game, especially with all the jumping and stuff, and they should hopefully just get on with it and do fairly well. Yeah, no, I think that's a a good point, Ali. Yeah, I mean, I've heard from other people that have talked about it that... um, their kind of only other experience really was either with the first Titanfall or they've been fans of Splatoon. They have talked about it in those terms that they have yeah. been able to find it really accessible and really enjoyable, particularly like you're saying. This whole, um, the uh, is it like the verticality of the game, the fact yeah. that it's got yeah. that kind of um, dynamism to it? Yeah, they found really appealing. So it's it's one of those things where I wish I could kind of give it a go, but sadly, um, you know, I haven't got the system to be able to play it. Mm. You've not got a PS4. I haven't. I've still got PS3 with loads of unplayed games on it. I was going to say because last weekend it was a free, free trial for it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's, it's that accessibility that's up there for me. The fact that you like send me a tweet. I know Adam's on a slightly different platform, unfortunately. Um, and it's your fancy game. Yeah, jump on and then off you go. And you know, it gets frustrating like any game. I but. definitely think um, one thing that's really good at is like clutch moments in multiplayer. Mm. Like where you pull off cool stuff and you're like amazing. Like you might be swinging and you spin around and you see somebody and kill them. Um, I also find it kind of nailed the timing of the titans. You can often be very far behind in games. A couple of your teammates will get titans and then you absolutely like rocket and yeah. blitz yeah. them and win by when you were behind by like a hundred points. And there's not many shooters that do that. And it helps to make it enjoyable because a lot of these shooters, like when I try and play Battlefield, you get disheartened after you've died like three times right at the beginning. Yeah, so but this you kind of don't because. Yeah. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Um, and this and Overwatch both kind of do that. You can still pull uh, victory from the like clutches of defeat if you have a good run, especially yeah. if you're playing with friends and you can communicate a bit, coordinate your Titans up. Um, I love the new classes of Titans as well. That definitely yeah. has mixed things up a bit. There's like pairings of Titans that work well together. Uh, pairings where if you face off against certain types of Titans, depending on their setup, you can be a bit more successful than you would against others. Um, but I just think the whole yeah, like so the wall running stuff works really well because I've had the yeah. maps are designed that you can actually do it with ease. You can kind of go, well, I can jump yep. and run on that. Yeah, and off it's, you go. it's just the flow of it. It's like you like you can uh, wall run along uh, along the side of a building, double jump off it, go through a window, kill a couple of guys in there, jump out the window on the other side, land on top of an enemy titan, pull their battery up, call your titan down, jump into it start gunning down the tight that was behind the one that you pulled the battery out of all in just one fluid movement it's like um this way there's one particular game mode on the multiplayer the the um hard points uh where it's like yeah. the, the battlefield modes of like capturing and holding a point which i don't bother playing because it doesn't feel right to be stood still in that game like you're always no. on the move like it's yeah. such a kinetic shooter there's nothing more, nothing more satisfying as well as dropping your Titan on top of another Titan yeah. as well and taking it out. <laughs> yeah. Or um, 
uh, a, like a crafty player on the other on the other team, like tries to jump up on top of you to rodeo and pull your battery out, and they do it. They're jumping up just as you turn round, and then they're the right heights. So that when you hit the melee button, your your Titan's fist just jumps, like throws out, and then they just turn into a red mist. Uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, it's 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 um, like. You know, I know it's, it's, Stuart, are you still there? I am here. <laughs> yeah, it's completely decimated. Oh, okay. oh you are there. <laughs> I, I know you like for uh, you. You are not the biggest fan of it because maybe you feel like it has doesn't have as high a skill ceiling as maybe some other shooters do. I, I don't feel that myself, but um, I think the barrier to entry is probably a little bit lower than a lot of other shooters. Like it's a lot easier for uh, someone who, like me, who's not amazing at shooters, to jump in and have a real good time and feel like they're contributing and feel, like, pull off, like, clutch moments that make you feel like a complete badass. Like, they happen so regularly that it's, like, it's just you know, a multiplayer shooter that I've just wanted to keep going back to. Yeah, same. It, there's, there's only really this and the first Titanfall that have been shooters that have dragged me in because I find every other one so inaccessible. Um, the only other one I played a lot of was Killzone because it was a bit slower yeah. and I found it a bit easier going, but uh, this is kind of the opposite of that, I guess, because it's faster, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't get enough of it. I'm like playing it every chance I get when I'm not trying to beat single player games. I'll pop this on. Yeah. Um, definitely I uh, played a few rounds before we jumped on Skype to record this this evening and when we're finished I'll probably jump back on it and have a, th- a few more rounds before I go to bed like, it's just a great game like the same with yeah. Splatoon um, for me it's like you can just pop it on play a couple of matches and you know you're done in half an hour and you've had a really good time yep yeah, agreed hmm. yep good number three yeah solid, solid number three solid yeah Right, so I guess that concludes part one of our uh, Game of the Year 2016 list. Uh, we'll be back with our top twos, and we're also going to uh, cover some honourable mentions and uh, maybe our least favourite Game of the Years and our surprises of the years and just like you know, a little summary of uh, what we thought of gaming in 2016. Um, as always, uh, you can get in contact with us, uh, send us questions, suggestions, feedback, etc., or anything else you'd like us to read out uh, through the following means. You can email uh, lapsedgamerradio at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at lapsedgamer. Uh, you can like and leave comments on our Lapsed Gamer Radio Facebook page and add yourself to the LGR Community Facebook group. You can check out Lapsed Gamer, uh, the Lapsed Gamer YouTube channel, as well as our occasional Lapsed Gamer Twitch channel broadcasts. And for more additional content and for more information about episodes and contact details and, of course, to read our bottom half of our top tens, uh, you can head over to the LGR blog, which is at lapsedgamer.com. Uh, finally, you can find all of our podcast episodes to stream or MP3 download at our Podbean web address, which is uh, lapsgamerradio.podbean.com. Uh, also, please be so kind as to subscribe and review Lapsed Gamer Radio on iTunes. Thanks for listening today. Uh, do email or tweet us your uh, gaming highlights of 2016. Uh, what's in your top five lists, old or new releases? You know, whatever criteria you want you want to go by. Just the games that you've enjoyed playing this year. Uh, let us know if you'd like to be on a future episode with us, as that can be arranged, and you'd be more than welcome. Uh, and I guess uh, all that's left to be said is thanks for listening and thank you very much, gentlemen, for thank joining you. me this evening. Yeah, been lovely thanks to hear that. everyone's you know different tastes and choices. Uh, looking forward to hearing what your ones and twos are in the time yeah. soon. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah.
going to be good. Goodbye. Yep. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye